Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you are interested in learning more about a business line of credit for your business, uh, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today I'm very excited to be speaking with Dennis Kelly from Postalytics. Dennis Kelly is a CEO of Postalytics, a fast growing direct mail automation software company. Postalytics helps marketers do more in less time with streamlined production integration into the marketing tech stack and real time direct mail campaign analytics. Postalytics is Dennis's sixth startup. He has been involved in starting and growing early stage technology ventures for over 30 years, much like me. So Dennis, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be here. So, uh, you know, there are, this is like my 230th episode, right? And I love talking, I mean, I'm not, I, I said in the beginning of the of this podcast, I love learning. I think you you can't be an entrepreneur and not love learning, right? I think it's the key ingredient. Um, and, but it's also a matter of where you put your time in. The 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 concept and the idea behind pivoting has always been very interesting to me. Um, I've I I've never had to make a really serious pivot, little minor correction, but. Uh, I talk about pivoting with a lot of young people. Uh, are you intrigued by the whole concept of pivoting as well? Well, I am. And, and I think that that idea of continuously learning and, and that kind of fascination with really trying to understand exactly what's happening in your business will often lead you to that decision to pivot uh, because it's it's virtually impossible to you know guess 100% right going into a new business venture on every single element of what you're trying yep. to do, and 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 so if you've got the right mindset, you're going to be pivoting no matter what. It's a question of how much as as you jump in and, and get something going. Yeah, I, and and before we start getting to the discussion, define to us what pivoting is. So a pivot is, is really um, a, a change in direction. And, and so, um, you know, you, you begin a business with assumptions about the way things will play out. And as you start entering into various levels of maturity of the business, you discover things. And, and then that new information will often lead you to making a change in the way that you're doing something that is either minor or major in your business. 
And, and that's at least how I think about a pivot. Yeah. I, what did you remember first hearing the terminology pip about pivot? It's really something I think in the last 10 years has become uh, a kind of an accepted part of the startup vernacular Yeah, where, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not only um, thought of as not a problem, but it's, it's kind of encouraged now. Yeah. Um, I think before that, there wasn't really a good phrase uh, to encapsulate what happens. Uh, but but it's, it's, I think, a relatively recent word that a lot of entrepreneurs really, um, you know, are, are comfortable with, uh, at least conceptually. Yeah. What, what, what do you think the hardest part of pivoting is? Well, I think that you often, as an entrepreneur, have a tremendous amount invested in various ideas of how your business will succeed. You know, you're an entrepreneur, you're pitching your business over and over and over again. You're pitching it to customers, you're pitching it to employees, you're pitching it to investors, you're pitching it to the world, right? And, and those fundamental assumptions that go into uh, your construct of your business and why it adds value, they become kind of core to yourself and, and, and how you think about yourself. And so by saying, you know what, I was wrong. I need to change directions a little bit. That, that can be difficult from an ego standpoint. It can be difficult from a financial standpoint. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why, uh, why a pivot can be a, a real challenge for entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, some folks don't like to admit they're wrong, right? Some folks uh, are, are, are just, you know, they, they'd rather stay caught up in the day-to-day -day grind and the details and, 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 and just hope that things are going to change. So uh, I think it's a many faceted emotional issue in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's interesting you said the word ego. I I think an entrepreneur who has an ego is is a real problem, a detriment. Uh, you know, it, I, I think a good entrepreneur is somebody who is, you know, like we talked about, always learning, but is – open-minded enough and not so stubborn to their ideas. And I think that's the problem with pivoting is, you know, I, it's one of the problems, like you said, uh, is that if you're so set in your ways and you think your, 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 your crap doesn't stink, <laughs> it's hard to pivot. Cause you, you know, you're right. Like I'm not that way. I'm really not, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, uh, what do you think about that concept of if you are really egotistical as an entrepreneur that you're, you're going to have some problems. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think the challenge is that in order to become an entrepreneur, you got to have a pretty good ego, right? Yeah. Like you've got to believe, you know what? The whole world is stacked against me. No, one, no one has ever built something like this. 
you know, everybody's saying, what? You know, that doesn't make any sense. But you do it anyway. Well, right? I think it's naivete. <laughs> right? If you knew what you know now, you know, would you go back and do it again? I, you know, it's certainly smarter. Yeah. Well, my, my wife calls it irrational confidence. But yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, there's an element there that has to be there, but, but it has to be combined with, you know, a willingness to, um, to do what it takes to be successful. Right. And, and, and so your ego, you, in one way, if you think about it, right, like you jump into something, your ego has to be strong enough to say, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. I, I may not know all the answers. I'm going to figure yeah. it out. Your ego can't be saying, you know, all the answers. Yes. Right. Everybody else is an idiot. You, you're the smart one here. Yes. And I so agree it's, with it's you. kind of, you know, a, a a healthy ego, I guess, versus a, uh, uh, yeah, I think confidence is good. I don't think overconfidence is good. You know, you know, I want to give you two examples of what happened with me and then maybe you could share with us what happens with you. Um, because you said, uh, you were saying what you think that, uh, uh, you know, how pivoting kind of occurs, but I want to, you a lot of our listeners, all our listeners here are small businesses. So they're under 5 million. They want to get over 10, you know, that's, that's the mission of this podcast. Um, and, and again, I've repeated this before. The reason why the $10 million mark was what I set as the mission. was because what I found was depending on the industry you're in, 10 million is when you start to get interested, other people buying you. Then they're like, Oh, you've built processes and procedures, you know, it's not just about you. It's, it's, uh, there's a company there. Right. So, but, but I, so I had two instances of pivoting that I want to mention. So the first one, I was very, very young. My second company, I had a company that was doing great. It was called Expert Seeker, $7 million in rent revenue and the rent and the net profit was awesome. Right. But it was in the service industry. We what we did was we placed technology high end placed placed high end technology consultants on long term temporary assignments in corporate five hundred. Now I knew there was a a window, uh, for, and I'm not going to get into details, but I was there. There was a window where it was going to do well for a while, and then I knew it was going to be over. And and by the way, when nine eleven hit a, uh, a month later, I laid off ninety five percent of my staff because that window was over. Smart decision. It was the right decision. Stuff like that. But I was in this industry, it was a service industry, um, and it was really, really hard to find the type of people, the recruiters that, um, that could do this for a living for me. And, uh, and so the, the company didn't have scale. It, Seven million is nice, but it's not going to get you big time. And it was, wasn't sustainable. And I tried to, I knew I had to pivot to a product business, right? The problem was, so this is my first example, is when you're so busy working in the business, right? And especially in this type of business, which was very service oriented, it was really hard for me to have the time to work on the business. I didn't do a bad job of it. It wasn't terrible, but I just could not find a way to pivot it. So I actually worked on it. I'm like, this is, how can I move this business somewhere else? I looked into maybe doing testing, uh, some other things. 
And I and honestly did not like the business. I thought the grass was greener somewhere else. Now I looked back at it and I said, whoa, the revenue and the, I'm sorry, the, the profit from that business was fantastic, right? So that was the first thing. And the second one was, I, I, had, I came up with my best idea that I ever had for another business I had, which I went, well, we, we, we did it, called Credential Agent. And it was software that helped hospitals, long-term care facilities manage their, their employees' credentials. So there's, there's all these – when you have a nurse, she has 15 to 20 different credentials that expires, and they're like licenses, certifications, immunizations. And the way that hospitals and long-term care facilities are, were keeping it was th- they're keeping it updated through Excel which was a nightmare when you have like 500 employees, right? So, you know, basically we made software that allowed it to like to be all automated, right? I thought it was a great idea that solved a major problem, right? And so I hired somebody, a salesperson to go test market it, to go sell it, go sell it. And then I would just hear the feedback. This is a, a professional salesperson, really good at what she did. And um, I you know, actually I wouldn't say it was a pivot because it, it went on for 15, 20 years, the, the business, but it never made that much traction. And so my pivot was to do nothing with it. <laughs> it wasn't there. It just wasn't there. As good as an idea as I thought it was, the problem was is the industry didn't recognize it as a major problem. It's shocking. You could have a nurse taking care of you who didn't get her hepatitis A vaccine and the hospital doesn't care. Wow. I know. And it's, and it's still that way. Wow. So I know. So, I mean, that, those were two examples of pivoting, but that really affected me and uh, and so maybe you could share with us your experience, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've got a couple of experiences, um, uh, and 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 similar to you, uh, my my first one was when I was very young. It was my first startup, uh, where I, I I had a. This is in the late 1980s. Uh, I was in uh, New York. I, I was in Manhattan. I was selling uh, corporate insurance just got out of a training program and, and, you know, I was doing pretty well, learning a lot of sales fundamentals. And a, a buddy of mine up here in the Boston area uh, was starting a computer company with his brother. And, and, you know, in the late 1980s, there was no distinction between, you know, hardware companies and software companies. There were just computer companies. And, and so, but, but essentially what they did their family had a long-term care facility. And, and one brother graduated from college with a computer science degree. The other brother graduated from college with an accounting degree. And they went to work in the family business. And they were saying, listen, you know, we're, we're keeping track of our billing. All of our record keeping financially is by hand. There has to be some better way to deal with this. And so they went out in the market in you know the late 1980s. That and it wasn't, wasn't a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so they said, hey, you know, long-term care is a huge industry. It doesn't have any way to deal with accounting on a scalable way. 
and and it's growing rapidly. Computers are blowing up. There was the mini computer era with Wang and digital and all these guys. And so they went out and got a mini computer uh, from a company called Quantel, and they wrote software on it to automate the daily record keeping of the census and 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 the Medicaid billing, the Medicaid billing, roll it all up into a general ledger, payroll, accounts payable, the whole nine yards. And and they got it working at their family nursing home. They started up a business and and it was about buying these hundred thousand dollar mini computers and and selling it to nursing homes for one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars. And 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 they said, we need a sales guy. So, you know, I jumped in, moved up to Boston, went com- went straight commission and and it flopped. It was wow. we, we had to hire people that could install and wire these places and and could fix the hardware when it broke and and like all this stuff in addition to building the accounting software. Right. So so we did it for a couple of years and and hired a bunch of people. And it was the price point was too high for the nursing home market. Uh, it was it was failing miserably. And, and so the three of us, myself and the two brothers, just said, you know, we, we got to do something very different or we're all going to lose our shirts. We're going to lose everything. And fortunately, while this was going on, the PC revolution was starting to happen. Personal computers became as powerful as these big $100,000 hunks of iron that we were selling. And, uh, and then Novell developed a network, a local area network, so you can have a little server, spend a couple thousand dollars on a server, a few thousand dollars on some PC terminals, and you've got a functioning system. And so the price point of computing was dropping drastically. Our software was written in this custom language for this one type of computer. So we had to say, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna shut everything down. We're gonna spend a year and rebuild this software in a way that will work on these tiny little PCs in a, in a much smaller economic footprint and, and try to go back to the nursing homes because they have to automate at some point. Like we just got to hit the right price point to do this. And so we had to lay off all these people. It's horrible. You know, we, we spent a year, you know, eating, you know, soup and bread for, <laughs> and, and tried to, you know, rebuild this thing. And eventually we crawled out of it. And we started selling this thing and it went crazy. And, and we kind of, we hit, we hit the, the economy at the right time. Uh, the, the price point was right. And we sold thousands of nursing homes on this solution to automate their accounting. And, and so it, it really taught me, right? Like you've got to, you've got to look at the macro level. Of, of, and what's happening there while you're down in the weeds, right? Yes. Dealing with the day-to-day stuff. Because if you don't, you could miss a massive swing that, that could really alter the trajectory of your business. And yeah, so I, I was a young guy and I, I got to learn that lesson. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting now at, with thirty with both of us have thirty years of experience. When when we look at business problems now, it's you know we're so objective now, right? You're so you're you're looking at it from uh, a, a a bird's eye view now instead of being in it, right? Like we never, you and I would never get super in hands on in our business and be so far into the business that we couldn't see that bird's eye view approach. I mean, we might work on it, you know, the business certainly in the beginning, you know, a little hands-on, uh, but you're, you're, just, I, I've always been really good at taking a step back and taking a time off to, to, to um, look at my strategy to, you know, I've always done that. So, I mean, I've always been pretty good at that. I've always bought into the concept that you should be working on your business, not in your business. Right. And always trying to find the best way of accomplishing that. But, you know, I think that so, so what I think what both you and I are saying too, the, the recognition of, you know, when to stick it out and when to pivot is a hard decision. When is the right time? When is it the time when you are just not uh, giving it enough time? That's right. Right. That's right. And, 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 and when do your, when is it? not a, a tactical issue when and when is it a strategic issue that you're actually yes. trying to deal with right and so you know you have to try some different tactics to test your original assumption right and and, and so with postalytics this is my second example that was really what you know postalytics is a pivot as well uh and 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 you know i, I you mentioned we're a direct mail automation software tool and and this is really our second product in this category. You know, we had a fundamental assumption that you know direct mail marketing is still very effective as a marketing tool, but it just hasn't had any technology invested in it for years. And 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 so you know we started off with one product that we built to sell to what we would call the incumbent direct mail industry, right? The, the people that are, are doing direct mail and have been doing a long time and, and handle 95% of the volume in, in the country of direct mail, we built software for them. And, and because we said, hey, we can make them be more effective and they have all the clients. And so, you know, It'll be a, a, a fast and efficient sales process, sell to them, let them use the software around all their clients. And, and so took a couple of years to build, you know, really good product, had, had, you know, some sales and marketing initiatives and segmented the market, identified, you know, key decision makers and, and, and went at it for a couple of years. And, you know, you, you get a gut feeling in when you've been doing it for a while right like you gotta you know you have a good product and it and and it should be pretty easy to sell right when when you've got something good particularly tech like it's it it, it shouldn't be a real Agreed. slog to I sell agree. something right yep. and and so and this was the sales cycle was you know we had like model the 30 day sales cycle and it was three months, four months, six months. I'm like, what? Why is this so hard? 
right? And then and then we'd sell, and the customers, you know, they needed all this help, and they they were like, well, we'll just pay you guys, you know. So we ended up building like professional services to get it going. We're like, this this is not this is too hard, right? What is wrong? And and so you know, dive deep in the product, dive deep in the people, right? Do we have the wrong people? Are there, are there, uh, you know, is our is it the message? Is it, no. What we ended up discovering was it was the market. It was who we were trying to sell to. They didn't want to buy technology. They were a technology resistant bunch. They just wanted to keep doing things the way they've been doing it forever. Kind of like the hospitals that you were you were trying to sell to, right? Yep. Yep. Just not that interested. No. Even though it's a better solution. So what we decided was, well, if they don't want to adapt to technology, let's go after them. And so we started, we built Postalytics to go after their customers to solve the problem for the customer. And, and, and that was really a pivot was we decided we were selling to the wrong market. We were selling to people that didn't want to buy tech. We needed to find people that did want to buy tech and give them a great solution. And, and so that's what we ended up doing with Postalytics. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I like what you said too, that it needs to be easy. Um, it, it needs to just happen and it needs to have, uh, if, if you have to really struggle, then something's wrong. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, going back to, it was something my, my, my mentor had said to me, I had an amazing mentor for 20 years. He was such a smart guy. And he had said, well, I, I was in between looking for a new business. And one of the ideas he said, he goes, take something that's old and make it new again. So that's kind of what you did, right? Take something old and you made it new again. Right. Um, he would always come out with these different sayings that I thought were really, you know, he was a Harvard graduate, MBA from Harvard and just a smart guy. Um, so have you, do you, so is, is the company that you have right now post analytics, is it a success story of, of pivoting or is it still uh, uh, working on it? Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's been, just night and day <clears throat> since wow. we were able to execute on the pivot and we've been growing uh, between 50 and hundred percent on an annual basis with no outside investment. Uh, and uh, we will uh, next year uh, hit that $10 million threshold that you were talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, scaling a business has its challenges and, you know, day-to-day -day issues, but, but, but the, the macro level stuff is all good. Right. And, and, and it's, it feels like there's wind behind us instead of wind in our face uh, yeah. as we are working and solving problems and getting better every day. Yeah. You know, when I, so I started my career, um, I, I worked for eight years for Xerox and that's where I started as a salesperson. I was one of their top salespeople. And um, I always, at 17, I wanted to start my own company. I wanted to work for a big company, make mistakes, and then go and start my own company. So I started my my first company when I was 30. And um, I think I, I might have been 29, actually. So, but anyway, so, but while I was at Xerox, I was, 
I took these, uh, I took this course at the Princeton Adult School. It's not associated with Princeton University, but the the guy teaching it, by the way, was my mentor, and he became my mentor. And um, it was called Cases from the Harvard Business School. So I took the same course for six years, right? Because we would always cover different cases. So every semester we'd study maybe 10 companies, right? And you'd go through these case studies and the, the you know, the professor, my mentor would put you in a situation where, you know, you're running a company and you have this major problem or whatever. And it, it really built my skills, right? I loved it. I and think so, the Harvard Business School method is following that that case study model. Like they, I think that's how they do the majority of their their teaching at Harvard. They do, and I, I love it. I just totally love it. Versus theoretical, you know, those other schools schools are much more theoretical, book heavy. This is really um, um, practical. I felt. Um, so when I what I you know what well, the reason why I bring that up is that there are there are business examples that every single business and industry goes through, that it's a framework. And if you know the framework, you're a much better business person. And pivoting is a framework. And, and what I mean by that is now, after you, uh, Dennis, after you've been doing this for a while, you recognize so much sooner you know what? It's not there. We got to pivot. Versus when you were younger, you didn't know the word pivot. You, yeah. You're stuck in there and just trying to put your nut, your, you know, we just got to work harder type of attitude. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, now it's like, uh, uh-uh, this isn't working. It's I'm smarter, but you know, the, there all these different concepts that came out and, and, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a different example too, and then I'll let you talk to it. So um, this I, I, uh, this girl I'm seeing, uh, she, um, her daughter is extremely talented in design. Um, and so I'm going to have a conversation with her, um, with design. She worked for a famous brand as their lead designer for, for, uh, their, their design. I I can't, I I don't want to give it away. Um, and, and so she might want to start her own business and, you know, First thing I started to do was look up, okay, how do you build a business in the fashion industry? What are the key benchmarks? What are the key things that are involved in how to get something from one design to make one design and print many? You know, and and I think the more you know about those business ideas, the better you're able to make faster, better decisions. What 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 would you say to that, Dennis? I agree. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the whole notion of, of metrics and KPIs, right. You know, they, they, they sound like a lot of, you know, just a lot of talk, but, you know, when, when you have specific goals in mind for the way that the business is supposed to be operating and you can measure it and you can see whether you're, you're meeting those goals or not. Then, then, you know, you've got something to diagnose and to jump into and then to analyze from several different layers. And, and, and so, you know, for us uh, with the, with Postalytics, it was really that, it was really the the sales cycle. Uh, You know, we just couldn't shrink it. 
And, 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 and that's what really then got to me at, at kind of the instinctual level of like, you know, this is not an expensive product. This isn't a, this isn't a million dollar decision here. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, there's something fundamentally wrong that we need to address. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. I feel like, um, I'll have an instinct about something. And then the first thing I try to do is put data, find data to support that instinct. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know if I can think of an example right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll have a hunch. And then the first thing I try to do is to say, okay, let me see what the numbers say. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's right or it's wrong, right. you know, or right. I don't have enough data yet. So uh, I, I love data. I think it's just really, really, and I, I think starting a company nowadays that is analyzing some type of data it you know it's it's the way to go and listen everybody wants to build a business where you you have not a lot of employees right and you have something that's automated and works and you know i think data analytics is kind of there it's true It's true. And so in the example you were talking about, you know, with, with, with a design and, and, you know, how does it, how does it scale? Like you, you can think about there's, there's gotta be like three to five, uh, metrics or KPIs that, that could, you could monitor for the, like the key parts of, of the business and, and get a pretty good sense, right. Of whether this thing's on track or whether there's, there's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and I think your example of uh, of how long a sale took, that is a very uncommon data indicator, right? That, you know, that's not like looking at your revenue, <laughs> okay? That's, which is the most obvious thing in the world. It's looking at, you know what? I have a hunch that this does not, it's just really hard to sell this product. How long is our sales cycle? That's pretty experienced you know, there. And then you look at the data and you're like, oh yeah, this is, this should not be a six month decision. What is going on here? Right. 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 Yeah. No. And, 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 you know, it's really, it's through experience that, that you, you have that kind of intuitive sense that, you know, Hey, you know, I've sold a lot of products, right. (laughs) And, And some products, you know, if you're going to make a million dollar decision, okay, it's a year, it's a year and a half, and you got all these players. If you're making a ten or fifteen thousand dollar decision, it's not. Yeah, right? and 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 so you know, in order for your sales team to be productive, they need to be moving quickly through these things, and 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 if they're not, then it's slowing everything else down with it, and it's indicating there's something wrong. Yeah, and I think that's the key to starting a business and and growing it is you test as much as you can to see if the consumer is going to go with your product and um and and test as much as you can before you put all the money out there. <laughs> right? You test, exactly. you test, you test. Oh, they're 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 this is going. This is good. I got something good here. You get the feedback you make the improvements, just hold back, you know, uh, you right. know make sure that you are, uh, it's, and you know, it's the number one thing, like I, I, my, I, so this 
the last two companies I've built, I have a business partner who's fantastic. He's unbelievable. The other four, I actually have had seven companies. I say six, but I've had seven companies. The other five, I did not have a business partner. And um, he's one of the things I bring to the table with him is like, I'll, I'll say, he'll, he'll come up with an idea and I'll be like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. Right. Let's do it. And, and he's like, well, wait a minute here. We got to, and, and, um, and I, I'm in this example, I'm, I'm the right one here. Like I'm the one who says, okay, well, it's the only way we're going to find out if this idea works is if we start getting it out there and seeing if there's some, some, uh, interests. And without me saying that, I think he would be very late or reluctant to get something out there. Right. And, and then he's great at, at, at where I, where when I say that he's great at saying, oh yeah, well let's try this and we can see if there's interest and go from there. So, um, you know, cause I'm the doer, I'm the one who makes things happen. He's the one who figures it out, you know? So it's a good combination. I love my business partner. He's my best friend. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm lucky because I was scared shitless about having a, a business partner. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just hear so many horror stories, but he's been unbelievable. So, yeah, so you, last you word, those complimentary skills, no question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And then it's been an unbelievable friendship too. So um, any last words that you kind of have to say to, every, to our, our listeners uh, just as far as pivoting? You know, I, I would just say, you know, for, for folks out there that are building their businesses, um, you know, you, you, you can, you can be patient, you can, you can test things, right? But, but at, at some point, if, if things aren't working, take a step back, you know, look at it at the macro level, uh, and, and, and start, you know, looking at the bigger picture and, and, you know, don't be afraid to make decisions. Don't be afraid to stop what you're doing and do something different. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's not about whether you were right or not. It's not about, you know, how much, how many times you've told people, you know, something is the truth. And, and it's, it's about, you know, what's right for your business. And, and, and so be humble enough uh, to accept that and, and, and to make it happen. Yeah, it was a great podcast. I knew I was going to enjoy it and I did. I'd like to thank you so very much, Dennis uh, uh, Kelly from uh, Postalytics for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a review if you like today's podcast of so five stars. And if you're, or if you liked any of our other episodes, it really helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Dennis, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Absolutely. So you can reach me on email. That's Dennis at postalytics.com, P-O-S-T-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S.com. Our our website, uh, you can contact us through the website. You can hit me up on LinkedIn, Dennis Kelly, Postalytics. Uh, I'm active there. So love to talk to anybody. And uh, thank you, Stephen. This has been a blast. Really enjoyed uh, digging in on pivots with you. And uh, thanks for having me. 
That was fun. Thanks for coming on. So I think my my last comment, uh, I usually do a comment at the end, is it's also I, I, it's just, you know, even speaking to Dennis, it's just, it's so great to have somebody, uh, Dennis doesn't have a lot of snow in his roof like I do, but I have snow on my roof, which is gray hair. It's always a good idea to get somebody with ex- business experience that is, you know, pretty successful to get them for you to talk to them about the idea of pivoting too. You know, you know, sometimes you need an outsider's perspective who's going to ask you questions, not so much what they're going to tell you, but they're going to ask you questions that think through your assumptions. And uh, I've been lucky enough to have a lot, a lot of really smart people around me. And um, so, you know, keep that in mind. Um, on top of that, I just want to remind everybody that entrepreneurship is a marathon and not a sprint. So make sure you're always taking really good care of yourself. You're no good to yourself, your employees, or your family if you are not taking good care of yourself. Have a good day, everybody.